Yeah. It was the middle of the week. We're out there with friends and I had to leave early to go to work. I didn't really have to, but I, I wanted to at the time. And looking mm-hmm. back, I shouldn't have. But my daughter says to me, she's like, dad, you work all the time. And that just crushed me. And that day really changed the way I looked at uh, and viewed the time with my kids. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. I've got an exciting one for you guys today. Entertaining, to say the very least. I've got J.C. Chenikowski on the Janowski, sorry, on the call. He's a CEO of Patriot Illumination as well as Cape Fear Pro Wash. His expertise is in leadership, culture, and winning as a single father, which I got to say is my personal favorite so far. JC, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. That was an incredible intro, and you just inspired me to want to want to or do better on mine. So nice work on the intro. Thank you. Absolutely. No, I appreciate that. That was put together by uh, one of Josh Moulton's friends, as well as uh, my producer, Ryan. So he crushed it on that. And uh, we do, we get a lot of compliments on it, which I appreciate. Okay, so I got to talk about the first time that you showed up at Apex Executives. Uh, we didn't get to meet or talk in person. There's always like 70 people in that room. It's crazy. But I'm like, who is the guy with the Christmas lights for a suit coat? What inspired that? Where did that come from? Obviously, you're in Christmas lights, but at the same time, it's like you wake up one morning like, hey, I need a suit that yes. flashes Christmas lights. Yeah. So when I first got my, I, mean, I bought a suit like that years ago and it was just fun. I love Christmas, all things Christmas. So if I could sport a Christmas coat while trying to sell Christmas lights, it just made the sale that much easier and be able to talk to the client. You know, once you get up there, they see the Christmas like you, everybody else, they get excited. It just drops yeah. that wall. So they get comfortable. And as the years progressed, I would start doing a lot of traveling and it was the winter time. And I just liked the jacket. It made me smile. And as I'm walking through the airport, I would see people, they'd either look at me like, what What is this guy doing? Like he's, or they'd look down and kind of be like a little upset or maybe just like real deep in thought and then look up and then smile. And then, and I just see them glow. And I just saw what, a simple jacket was able to do to somebody's day, somebody's moment. So to be able to wear that jacket and, you know, some people will say, look, you look silly. That's fine. I'm only worried about that one person I can impact during that day. So if I'm able to make somebody smile, make somebody happy, make somebody think back to like a very special childhood moment and just bring laughter or, or joy to them for that split second, that, that was worth it for me. So now I've got seven jackets Anytime I travel through the airport, I mean, even last month or even two weeks ago, I'll wear a jacket. And I got to the point last year where I was in the Atlanta airport and I got the platinum card and I go to the Delta Sky Clubs. Every time I go to the Sky Club and, and go grab a drink, the lady's like, I remember you from last time. And it'd be a completely different Sky Club. So it was, it was kind of fun to seeing people recognize the jacket and just being able to make people happy. I freaking love it. And I knew there was going to be more to it than just, hey, I sell Christmas lights. That's why I wear yeah. the coat. You know what I mean? So that's fantastic. You know, funny story. I got about three years into my business. It started taking off. You know, I got it to where it was like 
you know, 70% passive, didn't need me a whole lot, right? And I decided, oh, I'm going to go start another business, which ended up being a terrible idea at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And, but what the business was, was installing Christmas lights, you know, so I wasn't selling them on the front end. I was actually just running the crews and installing them. So to kind of figure out the position at first, I was one of the guys that got up on the roof and installed the lights and everything. And then, of course, I uh, hired my own crews and all that, and it ended up installing something like, I want to say like 70, 73 or 74 lights in one season, you know, and then and then taking them down and everything and all that yeah. stuff, too. I lost like 20 pounds, too. I was a big boy at the time. <laughs> so you understand. That's got, that's yeah. Good. I know you had that yeah. experience. Yeah, we we actually uh, installed for uh, Perfect Light. I think that's a uh, a franchise, right? Uh, you heard of them, the Perfect no, Light? No. Okay, maybe they're just more in Texas or more in the South. Yeah, Texas is huge for uh, Christmas light installation companies. There's a ton out there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right, brother. So, what got you into this business? I mean, obviously, you love to spread cheer. You love Christmas, so that's obviously a huge qualifier. But um, you know, like. Me, I came across it from a buddy that barbecued, and that's what he did for a living. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So he's like, hey, come do this with me for a season, and you'll make a bunch of money. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. What <laughs> so, about you? Yeah, 2009, I separated from the Navy for the first time. I was active duty, security, and then I went to the reserves. I moved back to North Carolina. I started a pressure washing company and had that for a little while. Ended up deploying back with the Navy. 2014, we finally moved back down to North Carolina still full-time Navy, but still full-time pressure washing. So work all day, work all night, work our weekends. And it was October, 2016. I was at a pressure washing trade show in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I always loved Christmas. Backstory was we grew up, you know, less fortunate. And as kids, we were able to drive around with my parents, my sister and I, and see all the Christmas lights everywhere. And it was, it was just a great experience to be able to smile and see all the houses compete with each other back in the days, back in the early eighties, nineties. And I carry that tradition on with myself and my kids. And I love doing Christmas lights every Thanksgiving. I'm out there hanging Christmas like, like Clark Griswold. Uh, But at the trade show in Charlotte, 2016, we're talking about pressure washing. And then I look to the right and I see, we hang Christmas lights with a a giant wreath with lights on it. I'm like, well, I got to go see what this is. We're at a pressure washing show. Why is there Christmas lights? Long story short, they're like, Hey, do you like hanging Christmas lights? I'm like, yeah, I love it. I'm like, do you want to make money doing doing this? I'm like, nobody's going to pay me to do something that I love to do. It's just like, why would I do that? Everybody loves to hang Christmas lights, don't they? And so my father and I, we were there. We went home and we're like, dad, we, we got to do this. We got to at least try this. So we went home, hung some lights up, zero training, put the lights up. The house didn't burn down. I didn't fall off the roof. It actually looked really <laughs> good. And I was like, dad, we're onto something. Like we, we've got something going here. We've got to do this. I'm passionate about it. I love it. I want to, I want to make this happen. So took it real easy that year, still full-time Navy the next year, got a little bit busier with it, doing it part-time. And then 2018, 19 was where we really started to explode with it. I, I went, got out of the Navy, started working full-time pressure washing, full-time Christmas lights, started Patriot Illumination, uh, the, the Christmas light company we own. And it was just, it was fun. It was so much fun. We were kind of the company that brought it to the area. There's one other company that did it. So not a lot of homeowners knew about the service. So it was a lot of educating them, explaining the whole stuff, the process, the free design, the install, the maintenance, the removal, the storage. 
And it, we were just getting really good at it. And while we're doing this and making our customers happy, there's a backstory to it as well. Kind of like the jacket. Mm-hmm. As we hang these lights, we hang the lights for the customers. We want the customers happy. We're, we're building a Christmas experience for them. When they plug the lights in, they got the friends, the neighbors, the friends, uh, the relatives over. You know, we want this experience to go off and everybody's like, wow, this is amazing. This is incredible. Like, thank you. You just made our Christmas. Mm-hmm. But those lights are not just for the customer when we hang them. You know, it's it's for the family like myself when I was younger that couldn't afford the lights or the, the person who had a really bad day driving home at night and you got that seasonal depression because it's dark out early and they happen to look up and they see that light and they just just that glimmer of hope, that glimmer of happiness right there. And they smile. And I'll never know about that. But inside my head, I know that at least one every night, one person's looking at our lights that wasn't for the customer and they're getting some type of joy or some type of excitement out of it. So there's more to it than just hanging the lights for me. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. And I love what we do. And I have such an amazing team that we've grown over the last five years on the or seven years now with the the Christmas light side that Mm -hmm. they share the same passion. So it makes doing a a very high stress, high tempo, uh, seasonal job, enjoyable for everybody. I can imagine. And, you know, the, the closest thing I can equate it to is, you know, obviously you are posting on social media a lot. You're going live every day right now, which is your 30 day challenge, which is a lot of fun, but sometimes you don't get the like, or you don't get the comment or you don't get the reaction that you're hoping for from a post or from a live feed, whatever the case is. But it's like you said, you don't know, right? You know, because they may not necessarily be inclined to do that, but you may right. have impacted them in a massive way. And that's and just knowing that, hey, that could be the possibility out there is enough sometimes for you to turn on that camera or you to write that post or whatever the case is. Exactly. So, uh, what inspired the uh, 30 day live challenge? So that was actually, I was in Moab with another mastermind group with uh, about 25. 25- uh, gentleman that I've never met before. And I, I went there to do uh, speak about leadership and culture, very introverted. I don't like being in unsafe spaces and I'm unsafe. I mean, people I don't know. And when I was mm-hmm. with apex at the apex flying Friday, that was very like uh, just, I didn't know anybody there. So that was yeah. very weird for me as well. So I went to Moab 25 great, amazing entrepreneurs. I mean, ranging from five figures up to eight figures um, and what their businesses do. And the second night somebody was speaking about how he had to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And he did Mm -hmm. the live challenge. He did it two years ago. And this was March 29th. I think it was maybe the 28th. And I said to myself, I got it. I've got to do this. Like, I've just got to step out of my comfort zone. I can do a video and I'll take a video off camera and I'll edit it 18 times. And it's like Mm -hmm. never perfect, but then I'll post it. I'll put my phone down and walk away from it and just wait for the comments, you know, just see who's going to say what with live. There's no editing and it's just raw and you got to go with it. And there's no filters. There's no taking backs. I mean, I can't shut this down right now and delete it. It's out there for the web. So I knew in order to step outside of my comfort zone, I just had to go live. I don't know why I picked 30 days, probably because he did it too, <laughs> uh, but I just had to do it. And the first day I did it, April 1st, I was actually in South Carolina at another event and it took me 30 minutes to finally find a place that I felt safe 
and hit record on that on Facebook and go live. Mm-hmm. And it, it would, I'd set the camera up, I'd look at it, I'd do the smack, and I was ready to go. <laughs> I was hyping myself up, and then I'd go, and I'm like, ah, this is not it. And then I just moved someplace else. And then finally, uh-huh. I did it. I think I would let live for like six, seven minutes, something like that. I was nervous. It, it, it definitely, uh, it was not easy, but I did it and mm-hmm. I couldn't turn back. I couldn't go on Facebook live and say, I'm doing a 30 day challenge and then not do it Sunday. I didn't do it live only because I had so much fun with my kids that I did not want to take away that time from them. And I just yeah. let everybody know, uh, because it was Easter. But mm-hmm. other than that, I've done three Facebook lives in a day, two in a day today. I'm doing mm-hmm. three again. So it's, it's been such a fun journey. Fantastic. And, uh, it's a, it's definitely an honor being part of that. So I appreciate that. So one of the things that I talked about, I, you know, we recorded a, a, a regular podcast this morning. We didn't go live on it and I wanted to go live because of your challenge. But um, one of the things we talked about this morning is how posting these things on social media, a lot of times we're posting them for ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not even posting them for everybody else, which everybody else can learn and, and maybe be impacted by it. And that's great. But a lot of times posting that on social media creates that accountability, like you yep. just said, where it's like, all right, I'm going to do this challenge. Like I'm going to put it out there and I can't go back on my word. You know what I mean? I can't yeah. go back on what I said I do. So uh, that's, that's a massive tool right there that I think a lot of people don't realize that social media can be for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, like you said, it's, it's accountability, accountability myself. Anything, anytime I post something, it's not to brag or to flex or anything like that. It's just it's mm-hmm. me being humble. It's me keeping myself accountable and also to hopefully inspire or motivate somebody else. I've talked to two other people. Uh, you know, I did one, um, a live yesterday with Chris at Apex and, you know, he wants to do the same thing. And I just told him like, you just got to do it. Like there was no yeah. prep, no plan, no nothing for this. Like there's no script. It was just literally, I did it. And now every day I want to get 1% better. And if I can keep doing that and inspire one person every single day, even if they don't tell me I did inspire them, uh, mm-hmm. I just, I know there's an opportunity for somebody to see this and learn from it. I love it. I love it. How many days are you in so far? Uh, what's today? Today is the 11th. So 11 days in, I skipped one, but I've done two, well, two, three days and a couple of two days. So uh-huh. I've got, I think 12 up already. Awesome. It's crazy how, uh, related we are sometimes you know chris kill is actually a a a client now with his payment processing company uh you're in wilmington right yep Uh, i have a client up there chris ulmer another chris and uh, he's got his rap company over there and then um my other client uh neil neil farley yeah yeah he he installs christmas lights too yeah yeah (laughs) i know neil for a couple years neil's a great guy he's that guy's just explosive i mean just how much he's yeah. doing out there it's incredible he's like in and of course we're live now so everybody's gonna hear this but if you get a chance talk to that man because he's a freaking genius when it comes to absolutely marketing. yeah very humble loves to i mean just yeah a wealth of knowledge chris ulmer is he up in um newport area no i think he is wilmington uh okay. there, there's there's another town below that sometimes you fly into instead of wilmington right the next one down south or uh Myrtle Beach. Hang on, Ryan's Ryan's telling me what is it? Jacksonville. Oh, he's Jacksonville. Okay, yeah. So he's a little bit north. Yeah, I think oh. I've spoke to him before. Yeah, we flew into Wilmington and then we visited Chris in Jacksonville. Nice. That's what it was. Okay. So awesome. Well, you know, one of the the things that I like about your uh, information that you put was that you you put a <laughs> winning as a single father. You know, and that's that's important to me because. Um, 
you know, I have a long story, but basically me and my wife, we separated and divorced for three years. And then we were able to reconcile after that and get back together. But for three years, I was that single father, you know, and, um, you know, and there, there's all different ways to say that terminology, but I, I knew what you meant as soon as you said it, you know what I'm saying? And, um, what I did during that time probably developed me more as an adult than any other three year period in my life, you know? And so I'm very, I guess I'm very curious as to one, how you got there. And then two, kind of some of the things that, uh, inspire you to put that like winning as a, as a single father. Yeah. So separated from my ex, I believe it's four years now. Um, mm. God, thank God four years, but anyway, um, so four years, you know, just even when I was married, the time that I spent with my kids, it was always, I enjoyed every second of it. I was mm-hmm. always like traveling. We always like doing things, playing games, joking with each other. And, and for me, life has to be fun. If it's not fun, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it with work. I don't want to do it with anything outside of work and just, I need to have fun doing it. So we're always joking, always traveling. And when, well, actually fast forward or go back to while we were married, I'll never forget. We're on the boat one day. It was the middle of the week. We're out there with friends and I had to leave early to go to work. I didn't really have to, but I, I wanted to at the time and looking mm-hmm. back, I shouldn't have, but my daughter says to me, she's like, dad, you work all the time. And that just crushed me. And that day, really changed the way I looked at uh, and viewed the time with my kids because we don't get that time back. They're only eight months, they're only 10 months. So once I separated from my ex-wife, you know, the time I had with my daughters had to make sense. It had to have a purpose and we had to do something, do something and just make value of that time. Now I don't mm-hmm. always get it right. I'm not perfect by no means. And I've failed a lot as a father, especially as a single father, but I always want I want to make sure that then when they grow older, they never look back and say, dad, you know, you could have done better or dad, I wish you did this. And yeah. it's just, just seeing their smiles. Like even last night I was laying in bed with my 10 year old and we were just tickling each other and just playing with her squishimals, the stupidest little stuffed animal I've ever seen in the world. <laughs> but the laughter that she had just by doing this and, and we're like, you know, playing with each other, like they're talking animals. And it was just mm-hmm. so much fun. Like I, I wouldn't have given up anything in the world, not a trip across the, the country, a million dollars to give up that, those 10 minutes with her last night, laying down that bed. So, you know, I, I like doing the girly things with the kids. I brush their hair all the time. Yeah. I, I don't let them do my nails that they will give me manis and petties. We did a face mask the other night with Nixie. I went on. Facebook. I saw that. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and we do a lot of traveling together. So I just always want to make sure like every single day I tell them, I love you every single day. I tell them how beautiful they are mm-hmm. and I keep it very real with them. I don't hide reality from them. They know about what's bad out there. What's good. Mm-hmm. What to look for. And I don't sugarcoat everything saying you're going to be whatever you want in life. And I, I like to give them a realistic expectation for when they get older. They're, they're like, dad, thank you. Like this wasn't, yeah. this wasn't a fairy tale that just didn't come true now. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I love that. I love every bit of it. It's, it's, it's so hard to, and it's, it's a tough question, right? Because it's so hard to like, you know, compress fatherhood into a, you know, two minute response, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. the way that I've been able to describe it or to describe my pursuit of winning as a, as a, as a father is being present, engaged and loving, yep. you know? And if I can do that on a daily basis, like you said, you know, I make sure that I always put my, 
my kids to bed every night that I'm in town. You know, that's mm -hmm. my thing. That's their thing with dad, you know, and yeah. I'll put them to bed. Uh, me and my daughter have this uh, special thing that we do that I can't say or else I'll get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I do it every night before she goes to sleep and then I pray over them, you know, which is a very intimate and important moment to the point where like they'll remind me now, like, hey, dad, you didn't pray over me, you know, yeah, which is really awesome. cool. Yeah. Um, and so, no, I, I, I love that a ton. Okay. So I'm going to pivot a little bit here and um, I want to get into your businesses and the sales processes in them. You know, I feel like we have a lot to learn there because, you know, the Christmas season and selling a Christmas product is such a compressed moment at which like, okay, I have basically six weeks to make my sales and then install them all. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And then they get to enjoy them for maybe six weeks. Yep. And then I've got like another six weeks to uninstall. Right. Yep. And so it's just this like high pressure, compressed Cycle, environment. Yeah. yeah. And so can you walk us through that a little bit, kind of what, what's working for your business? And then when y'all get them on the phone or in the messages or however y'all sell, uh, what are some of the things that y'all make sure y'all do there so that y'all can continue growing every year? Yeah. So the, the Christmas sale is, it's different from the house washing. It's different from other, most sales uh, because nobody needs Christmas lights on their house. They want them on their house and it's right. not a cheap service. I mean, we're not doing $400 jobs. We're doing, we've got jobs up to $15,000 for residential and up to, I mean, $60,000 for commercial and other areas, especially in Texas, that's even small numbers for them. So to be able to say to somebody, Hey, great, we're going to make your house shine this year. Give me $15,000. It's not as easy as like, that's it. Like we're going to put a light there pay up. We'll be back in two weeks. So we really got to break it down and get on the emotional level of the client. And that's why mm -hmm. it's important to understand why they want the lights up. Is it the first Christmas? Is it the last Christmas when somebody, is it uh, just a childhood memory? Is it the only thing they look forward to every single year? So once we understand their why, then we can build that Christmas experience for them. And as we're delivering the sale, we want to pack all that value into it. It's not just like we're here, we're all inclusive and we're going to put lights up. You know, we're here for the free custom design. We're going to design lights to custom fit your house so that there's no extra lights anywhere. They're commercial LED lights, energy efficient. They're going to look great. We're going to put them up, put them on a timer. So you don't have to worry about plugging them in and plugging them out every single night, packing that value in there because you're that pain point of forgetting to put the lights off and your spouse is yelling at you, your lights are back on. Uh, so we got that in there. The maintenance, if a light goes out, we're back there within 24 to 48 hours. You don't have to worry about getting the ladder out, any of that stuff. Patriot Illumination has got you taken care of. Mm -hmm. And then the worst part is January, taking them down when it's freezing cold out. We're here. We're not going <laughs> away, away anywhere. We'll be at your door sometime in January. We'll take the lights down and we're going to store it in our warehouse for you. So we, we build those five, uh, five steps, I call them, uh, of the sale so we can show them all that value. Now they're like, wow. Mm -hmm this is a lot more than you just going to Walmart and putting lights up for me. Right. And they, they get that weight off their shoulder because the spouse probably didn't put them up last year. Or they always have to beg them to put them up. And the wife yeah. has this huge dream of this Christmas experience. And we're here to make that happen. So we talk them through that. We do the free design for them. And every step of our process from the phone call, the initial phone call to uh, us going out there with the jackets on and in the actual estimate, it's all Christmas. It's all magical. It's all, they're, they're seeing it, they're hearing it, they're feeling mm -hmm. it, they're believing it so that they know that like, we're real. Like your Christmas is our business. That's what we tell them. So if they don't sell right there on the job because it's a high ticket sale, 
mm-hmm. when they get the follow-up emails and everything else it says santa's coming and the elves are working on your lights and all this stuff so they're just constantly just feeding them with all this great magical memories to build that experience so that they know that patriot elimination is the choice for them i love it because it's uh experiential selling is yes. the best way i could describe that all the way from, like you said, them showing up with the jackets. Is that part of your sales process? Like you have to be wearing a, uh, a Christmas light jacket? The sales guys have it. They don't wear it every single time, but our, our oh, shirts. Come on. I know, I know. <laughs> but our shirts are so loud. Like these aren't the shirts they wear. They're really right. loud, Christmassy, die mm-hmm. sub shirts. So it, it adds to the effect too. But I, I think they should be at the job every single time because I even have jackets that light up and it's really fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so in terms of lead gen, how are you guys uh, generating these leads? Just social media? Yeah, yeah, ads, just your or... typical marketing methods. Um, okay. you know, social, Google ads, Facebook is really good for us. All our vehicles and trailers are completely wrapped like head to toe. Mm-hmm. So that really helps, especially if we're doing a job and the neighbor steps out and they see us, they're like, what's going on here? And they'll, they'll get curious. Yard signs are really good for us too. And referrals. We do a lot with referrals because, again, we built that experience for them. We went over the top and delivered. Now they're like raving about us come Christmas time. Fantastic. And then what about on the uh, pro wash side? What are you guys doing over there? That, that's, that's been around longer than the Christmas light business, right? Yeah, 13. What are we on? 14 years with that now. 14 and 7 is the split on that one. And same thing, just a different sale because people actually do need their houses washed here. Um, in South or North Carolina, we have a lot of humidity. So roughly every year, it, somebody's getting their house washed because of the humidity, the algae, the uh, mildew growth here. And we've just built a, a tremendous brand here with all our vehicle wraps and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have 500, close to 500 five-star reviews on Google. So wow. we just really dove all in on branding and and just making sure that we are the five-star company that they want to hire. Fantastic. So one of the other things you talked about that uh, your expertise is in is in leadership. And obviously you can't build two companies like you have without that in place. Uh, To you, what are some of the the leadership, the common leadership pitfalls that you see that you are going to like coach your clients to avoid? Yeah. So going back, I've got 19 years in the Navy, which really developed me as a a leader uh, from when I joined at 24. And one thing that they instilled upon us in the Navy is that everybody's a leader. Like you don't wait till you're an E6 in the military to become a leader. You're a leader at E1 when you join boot camp, all the way through the ranks. And that's one thing I really try to preach upon everybody too, is as they're hiring these people, uh, these impl- the team members that you need to start that leadership young with them because if you're teaching them how to go- be a good leader, then while they're out there on their own, they're going to be efficient, they're going to be effective, and they're going to um, they're going to have self confidence to want to take that on that role as a leader and want to mm-hmm. work their way up, way up the ranks. The biggest pitfalls one is communication, and you know we we the way we talk to some people is not the same the way we need to talk to other people. So understanding how people receive communication is huge because I can say to somebody like, Hey, here's a task, go do this. And they got it. Like they don't need any instructions. They know what to do and it's going to get done the right way. And then some people need that hands-on walking through it uh, just to make sure they meet your expectations. Uh, micromanaging is another big one too, because as uh, young entrepreneurs, everything has got to be perfect. It's got to be my way. It's got to be, 
this way or it's not going to be right and it's going to go wrong and I can't trust you to do it. So being able to step away and trust your team to be able to do things. And if they don't do it your way, as long as the mission is getting complete and everybody's safe at the end of the day, then that's okay. And maybe it's even a better way than the way you did it. And you learn from it too. So being able to empower your team to do their jobs without looking over their shoulder every single day will empower them to want to present ideas to you, empower them to want to do better and excel in their job. So those are definitely two of the big ones. And also we like to preach, like we want everybody to grow personally and professionally. So we want you to grow at home, but we want you to grow uh, at work too. So whether it's you're trying to buy a car or house, go on a vacation, things like that. We want to help you work towards that. No, I love it. The alignment is real. You know, when you talk about not micromanaging, uh, I made a lot of mistakes in my early 20s and late 20s, I should say, because I didn't micromanage or I didn't even come close to micromanage. I was like, I hired you for this job. That's your title. These are your responsibilities. See you next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little too much offhand. Yeah. You know I mean? Hands off. But uh, no, I... I couldn't agree more. It really did make my people like the ones that stuck around and lasted, like they grew into those roles. You know what I mean? Right. I had a, a a VP of sales before I needed a VP of sales. I had a marketing director before I needed a marketing director, you know, so they really like grew into that role that I gave them. And um, so it, I feel like it worked out really well because of that. And then uh, what you were talking about earlier too, is them growing personally, right? So with all my clients right now, I'm, I'm taking their core values and I'm, I'm labeling their training based on those core values. Nice. Right? And what we're doing is we'll bring in, you know, like a tax specialist or uh, a lawyer uh, to, to talk about LLCs or, you know, cause some of the guys are 10, a lot of people have sales teams that are 1099 and they don't mm -hmm. understand taxes, right. you know? And so they get this tax bill at the end of the year. They didn't even know that they were going to get a tax bill, you know? So it's like, right. you gotta, you gotta educate your people along the way. You gotta make life easier for them if you can. Right. And so that's one of the things that we're, we're doing is we're including that in the training process at every level. So I think it's incredibly important what you're talking about too. I love that. And the, the core values, like you mentioned, that was um, something we lacked for so long. We, we same in our head, we knew what it was and what we were standing for, but it was never on paper. So we didn't really have anything to give to them and just say like, these are our values. If you don't, and it's be the light L I G H T loyalty, integrity, growth, humility, and teamwork. And if you don't align on those core values, then you don't align with our company and our vision and you're just not a good fit for us. So now that we have those core values, we have a standard to hold the team to. Absolutely. So one of the things that, that, not, it, it doesn't drive me nuts. It, it's, it's like, it, it needs to come with a grain of salt. And so this, this idea that you can hire on core values, hmm. right? I'm always curious what everybody's execution of that actually looks like, because when you go apply for a job, of course, you're going to say, yeah, I align with those core values. You right. know what I mean? Right. But, but time will tell. Right? right. And so, you know, what I think you should always follow, uh, follow that with, is um, fire fast, right? Hire yeah. core, core values, but fire fast. As soon as you see them violating those core values or veering off of them, then fire fast. But that creates turnover and it's a whole nother issue, right? So have you experienced that yourself or do you have a, a system for hiring on core values or is it more like gut? So one of the big things we base our company off of is family, teamwork, um, and our company culture. We don't like to use the word employee. Uh, we just got mm -hmm. rid of that because we're building teams. 
And around the office, we have team pictures and everything is fun. We have Christmas lights up, usually some dogs running around the office so that when somebody's coming into for a job interview, they automatically see what we're building. And we talk about it during the interview. We talk about the family, the culture, the fun. We have team photos up from uh, fishing, from Christmas parties, and we show them these things. The reason why we don't do motivational posters and stuff like that, because we want them to say, like, I want to be on that wall and like get excited to see like them as part of the company. So now they're seeing all this and, and you're probably going to see a smile would hopefully think that you see a smile. So that's one inclination that like they're, you know, they want to be a team player. They want to be a part of something bigger. And then, like you said, on paper, they could be rock stars. And then when they sit down, they could just be absolute duds. And then it goes to the complete opposite too. On paper, like I'm horrible putting stuff on paper. So if I'm trying to write something about me, it's probably not going to look good, but you put me down in, in front of, in front of you, I'm going to shine. So we found that like trying to find that perfect rock star candidate on paper, it's not going to work. Just bring everybody in if they have a pulse and then you can just talk to them, <laughs> talk about the, the core values and you can just see their body language. If they're getting excited about these things, you're not going to get it right every single time. It's just impossible, but you, sh- you should be able to gauge pretty well on mm-hmm. uh, if they're authentic and genuine and if they really want to lead up to those core values of for us, the light and like we just hired somebody yesterday that wasn't part of the interview, but on the flip side, we also have somebody right now that does not align with the core values and mm-hmm. uh, we've got to make moves on that. So absolutely. But now we can finally have somebody to hold accountable. Like you're, you're not executing on teamwork. So. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta look at that for sure. No. Uh, so, you know, I couldn't agree more, especially on the, on the, on, on the front end, you know, we used to say, if you can walk and chew gum, you can work with us. Right. (laughs) You said, if we got a pulse, that's why I laugh so hard because I've gotten such a hard time in our mastermind groups about that. And it's like, dude, like I can train anybody to sell cable, sell Christmas lights, to sell whatever, you know what I mean? Like, that's not a big deal. You know, if you can walk and chew gum, I can train you on that. What I can't train on is work ethic. What I can't yeah. train on is core values, you know, and, and I do, I do believe core values can be taught, but they take years. You know what I'm saying? Cause you got to unwind some stuff from people's childhood that has been acceptable to them for a long time, yeah. myself included. It took me almost a decade to unwind that stuff. And does my business have time to unwind that in somebody? Probably not, you know? <laughs> and so that's the tough part of the conversation. But, but like you said, as soon as those traits start showing up on the back end, then you gotta you gotta take action for sure. Absolutely, one hundred percent. So my next question was going to be, how do you build a strong culture? But you kind of went through a lot of it in the beginning. You know, the first thing being that you guys don't call employees employees; you call them team members, is what I was gathering. Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah, and then and then the the culture in your office, I love it. I love it because it it reminds me back in uh, two thousand thirteen, we started this upward trend. And I started looking around at our office and I was like, man, there's just nothing personal in here. There's nothing that says, hey, people love to work here. Right. And so we had this leadership conference at the beginning of 14 and we invited everybody down and we took pictures of all the uh, activities that we did and the dinner and the dancing and all that stuff. And then we blew them all up into um, to, to bigger photos and everything and put them all over the office. And when you came in the office, Love you were it. just surrounded by smiling faces and people yeah. having a good time. And, uh, you know, and then we, so we started being more intentional about our photography when we go visit other offices and stuff like that, like take pictures with a team. And, you know, we had, uh, 
kind of old school pictures of like when my team was out in the field and they were doing door to door, right? They, they found a no soliciting sign on the ground, on the street. They found it on the ground. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> of one of the HOAs, right? Oops. Yeah. So they picked it up and they all took a picture with it. And that was like the OGs, you know what I mean? That was the originals. Um, so that's a, that's a great way to create culture. How, how else do you guys, uh, create an amazing culture in your companies. Yeah. So your culture, it's gotta be 24 seven. It, it can't be inconsistent. You can't have highs and lows, especially as the owner or even the upper management, because you can't go in there and had a bad night and then take it out at every work because then they're like, well, what mood is JC in? Like, look at his face. Is yeah. he in a good mood? Can I talk to him? Is he approachable? So the culture has to be 24 seven and you have to be very intentional. Like you were saying earlier with that, you know, define your culture early because it's not going to change overnight. Once you have bad culture, it's, it takes a long time to fix bad culture. So recognizing what you want for your culture and ours is fun. Um, we just, everything has to be fun. The job can be completed by having fun. Everybody can be safe having fun. So we just want to keep that consistent all the time. And, and we still, again, we still miss it on the mark every once in a while. And we even just did a company culture survey about three or four weeks ago just to ask these questions to see where, where we're missing on the mark. And I think one of them probably the lowest score we had was a seven on communication. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, without asking, we were going to know, and we just assume that everything's fine. So it's also good to gauge and ask for that feedback from your team and, and be ready for constructive feedback. If it's bad, it's bad, but yeah. I'd rather know it's bad and fix it than just let it go on. And then everybody's just like, this is, you know, this isn't the company that we, we were hired for. This is where we want to be right now. So again, just have fun, be intentional. And I, I like to get the input. We do team building events. We just did laser tag, one of the, which is our favorite team building event. Uh, I like doing, we haven't done it in a while. I want to do it again is the um, escape rooms because then you can have everybody break them into teams and then you can kind of yeah. see who's going to step out of their shell, who's the leader, who's the thinker, things like that. And we also bring the family involved too, because if you have the buy-in of the family, then mm -hmm. they do have a bad day and they come home, they're like, well, it's okay. You know, tomorrow's a new day instead of like, yeah, yeah you don't want to work for them anyway. They just, they suck. So just go find another job tomorrow. So having the family involved and, and having part of that culture as well is, is a big important key to it for us. I love everything about that. One of the, one of the key things I heard is the, the culture um, survey, right? Yeah. And so one of the things we used to do was a uh, uh, basically a giftology survey at the beginning of the hire, right? And so we would ask them things about themselves, what they liked, what colors they preferred, what brands they preferred. And then randomly we would gift them. They were on a schedule. They didn't know it, but randomly they would get gifts uh, from, from the time that we hired them. Yeah, I got that concept from uh, John Rulin's book, Giftology. Yeah. And um, it's a great book. And uh, it's actually a, <laughs> about his history with Cutco. And one of my first oh, wow. jobs was Cutco, you know. Huh. And so that's kind of where the concept came from, because he used to sell it and then he would market it to realtors. And then eventually, like he was able to create all these amazing relationships through gifting. That's funny. And that's awesome. I like that. It's, I got to check that out then. Yeah, it's a whole nother, uh, I guess, lead gen tool, but it's definitely a lot longer term for the bigger you know, bigger leads and stuff like that. But anyway, so we did that survey. Uh, we also did like offboarding surveys because that was the information that was crazy important. And we also wanted them to complain to us instead of Google or the right. job boards, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so that's something else that we did. 
Uh, and we made sure that those were uh, anonymous as they could be, right? Because we had a lot, you know, we had a lot of turnover. We were door-to-door sales, right? And so that that part was easy. Do you do that as well? Or is that like an open survey where they, you know who's giving you the, the feedback? Uh, we I did that uh, intentionally to know who it was in okay. case there And I, one, I wanted to make sure everybody did it so we knew who didn't do mm-hmm. it if there was. And I wanted to be able to address concerns if there were any. Yeah. So, uh, and I didn't get any uh, kickback from that, that I know of and everybody mm-hmm. completed it. So it was, you know, some of the answers we did mainly multiple choice scale of one to 10, those kind of questions. And I left it open for three things. Like what could we do better? Uh, and a couple other questions too. So nice. Very nice. No, I like it. Okay. So what's next for you and your businesses? What's next? So we just hired a GM and he's taking on the, you know, the, the higher level role right now for me to be able to step away for doing the things I'm doing right now, which I don't even know what it is, but we're doing it. And um, I love it. It's yeah, the best way to do stuff. Yeah. Before you figure right. it out. Entrepreneurs. Yeah. Figure on the way out, jump out of the plane. But yeah. right now, yeah, right now we're just really trying to get lean with our numbers and clean up the numbers and just get more efficient. We're dialing all our systems and really trying to have a black and white copy for somebody to say, here you go, here's our company. Um, you can replicate it or you can take it, whatever you want to do with it. So mm-hmm. just really focus on that right now. And then personally, just doing a lot of the traveling, speaking, starting a, uh, a lighting mastermind group with uh, three other guys as well. And trying to enjoy life. You know, I figured out my why finally, which was uh, family travel and giving, which should be able to mm-hmm. contribute to others. So I'm focusing heavy on that right now. And just, again, just as long as I can make somebody smile, give somebody one piece of value, motivate one person every single day. It's, it's a good day for me. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, one of the questions I always ask at the end is, you know, what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? But it sounds like you already answered that just now. Yeah. I mean, the, the big thing is too, is, is setting up a legacy for the kids. And mm-hmm. I love having them involved with the company and I don't expect them to take over the company when, uh, when I get out of it, but I want them to see that there's an option for them mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship, that school is not the only way, not saying the school is bad, but there's options out there. I did school for a while. It was not for me. Uh, grateful for my father and my grandfather to be entrepreneurs themselves in the construction industry. So I got to grow up doing that. Uh, there was always a hustle when I was a kid from middle school selling candy to mowing lawns and then the, starting the pressure washing company. So I really, it's important for me to be in them be involved in it. So that if one day they say, dad, I'm ready, or I want to do my own thing, then mm-hmm. it's an option for them. And I, I just don't want to force it upon them to the point where they're like, dad, this is never what I want to do. And this is stupid. Right. And, I, and I, I don't like you for this. So I don't push it on them, but they get excited when they get to go to the office. They get excited when they get to do chores at the office. They get excited yeah. when they get to make a dollar for making an envelope for somebody. So mm-hmm. just enjoying the time with them now so that I can appreciate more time with them as they get older is, is really what's important for me. And also for my team to be able to do the things that they want later on in life. I couldn't agree more. I'm kind of the same mindset in the sense that um, I don't come home every day and say, Hey, you're going to be an entrepreneur when you grow up or whatever the case is. Right. And we always try to like, you know, guide them towards productive things, but at the same time they choose, you know, like right. my son's in drama my other son's in baseball and my daughter 
is uh, uh, in gymnastics right now. Those are all things that they kind of steer towards, you know? Yeah. And so if I can encourage that and have them kind of focus on those things. And then, yeah, as they get older, you know, I know we're going to do a podcast with my daughter here pretty soon and kind of nice. get her feedback. because She's convinced she's taking over the business someday. And I have, that's her coming to me and saying this stuff you know, and asking, asking what I do. So she's creating the interest, which I, you know, I appreciate for sure. And I don't feel like I'm like, like you said, forcing it on her or pressuring her into doing that. Yeah, I got you know, I got one daughter. She wants to be um, she wants to go to college, mm-hmm. have an apartment with her friends, and be a waitress. And the other one wants to be a doctor one day, then it's a teacher another day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's always changing. And same thing I was when I was a kid. And I'm really yeah. trying to get them to step out of their comfort zone as well too. Like my oldest uh, Nixie, I had her on with me the other night on um, video. And when I initially said to her, I was like, "Hey, do you want to go on Facebook Live with me?" She got excited and she said yes. I was like what? I literally said, I was like, I don't need to bribe you right now. Like, this is yeah. amazing. And then that night I was like, Nick's we're going on Facebook live. She's like, I thought you said, put a face mask on. And I was like, ah, oh. so I was like, five, <laughs> five minutes. That's all I want is five minutes. So I, yeah. I try and get them to step out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. so that when they're my age or, you know, as they grow, they're a little bit more comfortable doing these things. And as nervous as I was every time I do it, no, and it's I just fun being involved with them. I can imagine. Yeah, no, it, it is a blast. My, my middle son, he's the, you know, my other two are, aren't convinced they're going to be YouTube stars, but he's convinced he's going to be a star period. Right. So that's why he's in drama and he was a lead in, in Maui last year. Nice. Uh, yeah. And so he's definitely got the talent, you know, and he, he already uh, auditioned for a few like Disney films too. Wow. And so he's, he's, he's working his way up there. It's exciting. That's but, incredible. uh, when I, we were, they were on the TV the other day and of course it's logged into my YouTube account and we have, I don't know, Ryan's put up like my producers put up like 150 of our videos on YouTube. And so he's like, dad, you're a YouTube star. I'm like, have you seen the amount of views on my videos? <laughs> but okay, we'll go with that, you know, but that's what he's excited about and what he's into. And he wants to, you know, go on like YouTube and create videos and all that stuff. And I'm just like being, you know, like, protect your dad i'm like no that can't happen yet not till you're 13 at least and you know what's what on there you know what i'm saying like yeah here's so crap out of me. uh three years ago i got introduced to mr beast and at oh, the time i did not know who he was like my christmas uh, supplier she called and she's like how do you want to be dad of the year this year i'm like i'm already dad of the year like what's the what's the catch like, <laughs> Mr. beast is doing a christmas show uh, they want to put a million lights on on the house, and he lives by you. I didn't know this. I didn't know who Mr. Beast was. I'm pretty ignorant to a lot of YouTube stuff. So I looked him up. I talked to his producer. He's like, yeah, we need you, and we need you here now. And he's two and a half hours away from me. This is a Monday. I'm like, all right, this is the height of COVID, too. Yeah, 2020 it was. And so I go up there, and they have all these lights that they had bought. I mean, thousands and thousands of lights stacked up. I'm up there for two days. Half the staff is out because of COVID. I'm up there scaling. There's three houses they lit up, and I'm scaling these roofs in the middle of the night, no sleep. I mean, I was up for like 26 hours at this point, putting mm-hmm. up lights. Almost fell off a couple of times. They're like, "JC, we need you on this house." I go to that house. "JC, we need you at that house." I go to that house. So this is like early December, Christmas Eve. We're in Best Buy, walking around my kids and I, and all of a sudden I hear my daughter, "Dad, Dad, you're on YouTube." I'm like, "What?" 
And the Mr. Beast special aired like Christmas Eve while we're at Best Buy. And she's like, mm-hmm. look, look, you're on TV. And that was like the coolest moment that she was able to see before I did. And she she was so excited to show me. So that was like my claim of fame was being on Mr. Uh, Mr. Beast. Oh, I love it, man. And that moment probably made those 26 hours straight or 30 hours straight completely worth it. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they're like, Dad, send us pictures. Send us pictures. What's he like? What does he do? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see how they do it all, too. So for an introvert, you've been on Mr. Beats. Mr. Beast's uh, YouTube show. <laughs> that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but well, here I'm we sorry. are, right? And He's so going- super introverted too, which is pretty yeah. amazing. Like he doesn't like to talk and I happen to be in a, a like a 50 foot lift with him driving around mm-hmm. and he looks at me, he's like, I like you. I was like, cool. I like you too. <laughs> that was <not> the conversation. <laughs> That's hilarious. No, but I, what, what I will say is, you know, and I just got to scroll through your stuff for a little bit. I've been seeing you go live the last couple of days too as well. Um, you definitely have a gift, you know, and I know you probably label yourself as introverted, but it's obvious you coming out of that shell is, is giving that gift to everybody else too, and you're doing it in a public place. So we appreciate you for that. Thank you. Thank you. And when you see me in May at Flying Friday, you'll see how introverted I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and coming on the show. Thank you. I honestly appreciate the the opportunity and uh, love seeing what you're doing and love seeing the chickens and all the family activities. So thank you. Absolutely, brother. Let's get building. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.